You're listening to Death of the Reader, Flex and Herds here for your Murder Mystery World Tour. And we are back with a new old novel, Dorothy L. Sayers, Whose Body? Chapters. Whose Body? Chapters 1 to 4. A classic golden age novel, the first in the Lord Peter Whimsy series. And Herds, (laughs) just before we came on air here today, (laughs) uh, you were bemoaning how... You found this novel really chaotic in a week where chaos was just a bit much. Yeah, I need to I need to let you know that I have had a week. I am exhausted. I've had hardly any time to 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 get into my lovely cozy books this week. And so when I when I opened the tome of 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 the, of this novel of whose body, yeah. I was like, yeah, this is going to be a great fun time. But actually, it reads like a script that has been put together by 10 different voices at once. There are little <laughs> rhymes just thrown yeah. into the text. I um, thought it was a mistake <laughs> the first time I read it. Yes! I was like, is there a page missing here? Why have we gone from the middle of this man's sentence? It like cuts off and goes into poetry. And yeah. every copy of the book. I bought multiple copies of the book to see if it was in all of them, and it is. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at, this is in chapter two, this is the start of chapter two. Yeah. Um, there's a section where, as you say, like, the sentence stops, it says, you know, with his eyes shut and, and then it cuts to the rhyme, and rather than saying, you know, this character is speaking a rhyme, I guess he's ju- he's just saying it, it's just happening. But it's in this line <laughs> break, it's really awkward and strange, and they're talking about this body in the bath and how great yeah. it is. Um, I mean- Honestly, a great way to get a reader's attention, because if they weren't paying attention at that moment, even if they were paying attention at that moment, I still think it would confuse even the savviest reader. The the best part is this particular rhyme, he has another line of regular dialogue, and then he picks up the rhyme again immediately. It's (laughs) it's maddening. It's maddening. I kind of love it, though. As, As you've, you know, elucidated here, this novel hardly ever really tells you who's speaking. I I don't know how else to explain it. <laughs> Words fail yeah, me. No. Like, don't get us wrong. There are enough indicators of who's speaking that you can keep you, up with it. Yeah, but it's one can. of those novels where if you get to a section where it doesn't and you lose track, you have a long way to go back. <laughs> yes. It's uh it's pretty ridiculous. And there are these long like they're like monologues that characters have and there are no indicators within those monologues of, of who is speaking, which is great. Before before we get too much further, though, we should recap on what has actually happened uh, in this in this particular stretch. Because basically, uh, Lord Peter Whimsy was on his way to go and buy some fine artworks, of which we get <laughs> oh my goodness a, 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 an extravagant amount of detail. Only to have to return home because he forgot the catalogue, at which point his mother is calling, saying that one of her friends has had a terrible fright because one of her friend's friends found a body in their bath. It's insane. And And we don't even know who the body is. There's all these clues that are being thrown around, which like we'll we'll try to pack this. I'll try and unpack this in the mystery section. I gotta solve this mess. But like there's a body in the bath. Their their face was shaved probably after they died, and like this other rich man went went missing, and there are there are maybe it's ridiculous. Which top hat was he wearing when he left the house? It's oh. <laughs> Peter Whimsy's mother. Yeah. For the small inclusion she has had thus far, I think has been one of my favorite bits of like characterization in the novel. Not because it's amazing characterization, but because it speaks so beautifully to the tone of the novel. 
which is that the Duchess, his mother, was always of the greatest assistance to his hobby of criminal investigation, though she never alluded to it and maintained a polite fiction of its non-existence. The language in this novel, as chaotic as it is, is kind of fantastic. There's lots of those little tongue-in-cheek moments. There's, again, I think it is again in chapter two, there's a conversation between, uh, I believe it's a a different lord and his servant, with a lord saying, if I fired you right this second servant, would you speak badly of me? He says, no, sir, of course not. I would never. Because <laughs> I bet you would. If I gave you an inch, you'd take a mile. Like <laughs> That's kind of the, the conversation. <laughs> and they're kind of fantastic, these two. Oh, I mean, listen, you haven't seen the half of Bunter yet. Oh, Bunter no. is Bunter, yes. the best character in this novel, and I cannot wait to show you why. Bunter is so sarcastic, but also highly competent. And he wants to spend all of his money on lenses, which is a recurring theme in the novel. I'm sure that lenses will play into the mystery, but yeah. I'm I'm really I'm really enjoying I've been watching another show where one of the main cast of characters is constantly carrying around a smartphone recording everything. And it's like the show's catch-all for when they run out of evidence. They're like, oh, of course, he accidentally recorded a clue. Oh my goodness. And I very much get the energy that Bunter is going to be the Just same. Accidentally light upon every single potential clue. He has a big bag yeah. that he carries, like a big sack over his shoulder with potential clues in them just in case we need to whip one out. I love that. Yeah, he's definitely my favorite character so far, I think. The crime, though, is really interesting in this one because mm-hmm. the bathtub body, it's its naked. Everyone's really embarrassed by the fact that the body is naked in a bath with just a pair of uh, pince-nez spectacles. Yeah, spectacles, which, again, like everybody is wearing spectacles or monocles or asking for their lenses to be repaired. Like one of the details they point out is that the, the, the pince-nez whatever it is, it's been mended twice, which is, I I think that's supposed to be an indicator that the person who wore them was poor or was just very careless with their, with their monocles. But yeah, there's, there's lots of details to do with the intricate, the articles of clothing that characters wear, which I think is quite exciting. Well, yeah. I mean, when we were speaking with Moira Redmond about how like much detail Sayers goes into with her fashion, you know, there's, there's a lot of scenes where we get to learn about why, every character in the scene is dressed the way that they are, which is like, you know, not a detail I haven't come across before, but I really love how much Sayers leans into it. It's it's very pronounced in this work. We even have a character who more than likely is dressing up as another character and the entire lead up of that scene is like, let's talk about their hand. Let's talk about their top hat. Let's talk about their, the gloves that the criminal would have worn. Like, there is such a huge emphasis on clothing. You and I were both discussing before we got to this book, like, we really should be doing more Queens of Crime. I was going to pick a Sayers if you weren't. You were going to pick a Sayers if I didn't, so Mm -hmm. I'm glad I I got to bite the bullet for our our choices there. I'm glad I get to solve such an elegant masterpiece as Whose Body? Um, And you have to say it like that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really interesting how, like, of all of the Queens of Crime, Sayers, I think, is, like, one of, the, one of the ones that we've put off the longest, not intentionally, despite being, you know, part of the same era of crime fiction writers, part of the detection club, really kind of her writing harkens back to hmm. other authors that we also haven't covered yet, like uh, E.C. Bentley, Austin Freeman. I know uh, Mike Gross, who we have dearly love and respect here on this program, has said that there are plenty of signs that 
not only was Sayers well influenced by them, but some of her favorite books were by those two other authors. So it'll be fun to see how that kind of pops up as we go further through her material. I did want to say while we're on the topic of, because you got me thinking about like legacy and the fact that she she does sit in a you know a, tr- a tradition of murder mystery authors and, and detectives. Yeah, I'm thinking about the idea because we're working with such a chaotic book. The idea that that Lord Peter, um, in the way that his his Watson is this like sarcastic uh, everyman, which I'm excited for. We haven't even mentioned Parker yet. We'll get to We've him. Got this like yeah, we'll get to him. <laughs> there are there are several characters that we want to we need to talk about, but Lord Peter perhaps brings brings order to this situation. You know, the nobles kind of bring order where there is chaos, but we'll we'll get to that. You want to talk about about Parker? Yeah, Parker is so interesting to me because until we saw a bit more of Bunter, I really thought Parker was going to be our Watson. And mm. Parker is interestingly almost like the police officer in the story because Peter Whimsey has before his series even began pissed off the police so much through his amateur sleuthing because the police won't talk to him anymore, which is a detail I absolutely love. He does land in that kind of police informant role, um, which means that he doesn't have to be bumbling. um, But he is, at least for for the case of the, of the mystery, he's here to like deliver information and make sure that a detective is on top of things that they don't just, Go down a rabbit hole and get lost, I suppose. I suppose then we should uh, throw over to the mystery section and make our way through the the cursed lands of naked men in bathtubs. I suppose we will. I suppose we'll try and throw this body uh, under the train, as it were. Let's... Uh-oh. There we go. Uh-oh. Go, uh-oh. You're listening to Death of the Reader. We are discussing Whose Body? Who's By body? Dorothy L. Sayers. Chapters 1 to 4... You're on your murder mystery world tour. Stick around. More to come. You're on 2SER 107.3. You're listening to Death of the Reader. Flex here with you. If you've been following us elsewhere on the internet, you might have caught Herds and I playing through Whispers in the West, a demo of an upcoming murder mystery interactive game for you and your friends. Uh, And we currently have Yo-Yo Lee, one of the team behind that game, which has just launched its Kickstarter. Yo-Yo, welcome to Death of the Reader. It's so good to have you on. Pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. So I suppose the thing that fascinated me most about Whispers in the West was bringing that co-op element to murder mystery. Because for us on the show here on Death of the Reader, we play... Uh, murder mystery almost as a competitive sport where we try to bamboozle each other out of playing the solution. And in fact, when we played Whispers in the West, I managed to talk herds out of the correct solution the first time we played through it. What was it about bringing collaboration to murder mystery that kind of led into this whole process making Whispers in the West for you? Oh, I had, uh, first I want to say I had a lot of fun watching you guys playing. Um, (laughs) So we are a team. We are actually a big fan of uh, um, offline murder mystery games, as, as you would expect. So it was actually quite a natural decision for us to make the decision to make uh, a online co-op murder mystery game. Fun fact is we actually uh, made the first pl- playable prototype in about two days. So our first playable prototype is basically our uh, writer, uh, Sebastian, who came up uh, with a story and uh, he basically DM'd it. We have a different uh, Discord channel as uh, different locations. We just move around, uh, jump jump around the Discord channels as if we are moving uh, around different locations. And then we 
talk with uh, our team members. They play the NPCs, and uh, that's how our first pl- playable prototype was like. Yeah, I guess coming off the back of that, I'm really curious because having that playtest environment for you on a on a Discord server. Does that mean that each of the scenarios that you're coming up with behind this Kickstarter is going to be play tested in that kind of online hybrid manner? You know, how has that evolved over creating the newer scenarios that have ended up in the demo and that you're working on uh, behind the Kickstarter now? That's actually a very good question. So short answer, maybe, yes, uh, the, the technology behind the game is much more involved. Uh, comparing to the first dates, we actually built our a custom narrative engine, which allows us to create new stories uh, much easier. When writers uh, committed their changes, they can almost see their changes instantaneous in the game. So that gives writers uh, the ability to feel how the, the write, their writing will come across. In the scenario that we played through, there's uh, an investigation that you take on the first day that you could kind of infer the correct answer on the first day, but the clues point you in a different direction, which is, you know, very true to the murder mystery spirit of dangling the carrot in front of people's noses and pulling it away at the last minute. How much do you enjoy getting to put that big challenge in front of players and how intimidating can it be to try and actually make the difficulty right? Yeah, that's a very, very good question. So, I'm a, a narrative designer in my role. I think basically I, I have three hats. One is I will I need to do the narrative system design. That is how the narratives uh, work with the game systems, the technical part. And another part is uh, obviously writing. But the most important part of my job is actually the level design. In narrative design, there is level design as well. And uh, as as you correctly pointed out. It's a, it's a mystery game, but mystery game is essentially is a narrative puzzle. So if I put my level designer hat on in the game, there are many, many objectives. But under the overarching uh, objectives, there are many smaller pieces of uh, puzzles. And uh, we need to artfully put these puzzles in the game. Leap of logic may work in mystery novels, but definitely not in games because players they need to know clearly what my objectives are, even if in mystery game it could be implied. To solve each puzzle, the players need to give sufficient context. So each puzzles are actually solvable. I, I think it's so interesting that idea of looking at narrative design through the lens of game design. Because I mean, Herds, who unfortunately is way on a business conference as we have this conversation, is that there's like exactly the way that he approaches solving murder mystery novels. And it's so fascinating to hear that kind of inverted the other way where you're using that to tell a murder mystery story. I think what is the main thing for you as a writer that you kind of get out of hybridizing that narrative and game design philosophy at the same time? Do you think that it fundamentally changes the stories that come out of it or is it just a type of logic that you could apply to any story i think as you correctly said like uh, it works both ways there are times like where game design influences the narrative design there are also times where the narrative so the classic cozy mysteries influence the game design yeah personally i love like classic agatha christie mystery novels and I'm pretty sure, like, 
when Agatha wrote mysteries, she was consciously guiding the readers to solve the case with the sleuth. Her style is very different from some other writers、uh, of her time. I always say this: if Agatha is alive today, she'd probably be a game designer. There are a lot of theories because mystery novel is such a popular genre, as you know,、uh, which means I don't have to reinvent the wheel. I can just just directly take from some existing series. For example, there's mystery: how to write traditional and cozy hoodlums by Paul Tom- Tomlinson. I enjoy this book a lot because it basically deconstructs、uh, the classic cozy mystery novels.、Uh, there are a lot of things actually、um, you could see, like traces of、uh, classic mysteries in our game. For example, a three-act structure that coincides with the kind of like three-day structure we have in the game. Not to mention the classic three elements of murder mysteries. The means, motives, and opportunities.、Mm-hmm. No matter when I write for Whispers in the West, or no matter when I write、uh, scripts for mur- offline murder mystery games,、uh, I always have this means, motive, and opportunities in mind. Yeah, I mean, when you were describing the way that you were play testing this game, you know, the way that Herds and I first got to know each other was doing tabletop RPGs, and I think that. You know, my experience running those definitely changed the more I got into murder mystery. Looking at that means, motive, opportunity, kind of approach, and one of the interesting challenges that kind of comes off the back of that, to my mind, is that for Whispers in the West, you have four kind of blank slate Western characters that the players inherit compared to the typically very. Uh, main characterly detective that a lot of murder mysteries normally have. What's the challenge in creating a bit of energy to the motion of a plot where your detectives are just your players and just that blank slate? You know, how do you make sure that the players don't bore themselves by not asking the right questions? That is actually the reason we developed our custom、uh, narrative engine. So we started working on the game with.、Uh, An existing narrative engine. There are many good、uh, narrative engines in the development world, but as you know, like most mystery games, they are single-player games. So the those engines they are designed for single-player games. In our game, a very important,、uh, unique point in our game is that depending on the role you play, the residents in the town interact with you, respond to you, maybe different depends on. Who you are? I'm, I'm fondly reminded at the time that Herds brandished a pistol at a member of town to get them to talk, only for us to discover that you could just say something nice to them the following time around. Yeah. So the yeah the without giving too much spoiler. Yes, I would say at least in the first scripts, pistol is probably the most useless <laughs> item in, in the first story, and、uh, we enjoy see like uh, players uh, just、uh, point the pistol. To anyone they talk to and uh, uh, come back disappointed, but I can assure you it will have better use in following episodes. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. It has been a pleasure speaking about Whispers in the West, and we'll of course have、uh, some details up on the podcast to get access to the Kickstarter and some broader information about the game. So. Thank you so much, Yoyo, for joining us. It's been a pleasure having you on Death of the Reader. Thank you.、Uh, it's a pleasure to、um, talk in depth about、uh, murder mystery. No worries. We had a great time playing it, and I hope that if you play at home as well, you get the、uh, chance to have quite as much fun as we did. 
This is Death of the Reader, your murder mystery world tour here on 2SER 107.3. More to come. Stick around. You're listening to Death of the Reader. Flex and Herds here for your murder mystery world tour. We are discussing Who's Body by Dorothy L. Sayers. Chapters 1 to 4. Herds is in the hot seat. And Herds, I wanted to begin by putting out to you a little warning before you get into your theories for this I don't need more warnings. I'm already warned enough. Okay, good. That's exactly what I wanted to hear. (laughs) This novel is a little notorious, and Dorothy I'll say as broadly is a little notorious, for having fairly simple mysteries. Okay. So I wanted to let you know that for the sake of challenge, I have cut us off perhaps earlier than I would have for a different novel. (laughs) You may not have all of the pieces I'd normally like to give you for a first week solution, but I believe with this novel's mystery, you are still more than up for the task. Okay, good. I'm glad that I I am at full capacity for this mystery and I definitely know exactly who did it and what's going on. (laughs) Uh, Oh, my goodness. I I promise nothing but but pain for anybody who has read this Listen, I expect nothing. (laughs) Good. That's what you should be. That's all right. That's why we get to pick two different theories. It's true. I guess we better get into things because there are several mysteries. There are several parallel stories running. One... Obviously, we have a murder. We literally have a body in the bath. We do. That we can sing and dance about that we need to determine who has killed them. But we also need to figure out whose body, which is great. Oh, Um, crazy. That's the title of the book. It's the title of the book. Because they- What a coinky dink. It's so ridiculous. Like (laughs) They start looking at the body and they say, can we identify it by any patients that might be missing from the hospital? And I'm like- what an interesting first place to go to. Like, ah, yes, perhaps they have left the hospital and and been killed. No, 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 like, no, 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 I, no, 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 no. They check the hospital morgue, I believe, to see if oh, this of is course. a Sorry. corpse that someone has just extracted. Because the, the hospital is nearby is, yes. a, is a key detail. Here. It's true. It's true. We're dealing with, as far as I can tell, someone who has been dressed up in, in someone else's clothes, right? They make the point that this is a laborer dressed up in the clothes of a rich a rich man to probably pretend to be someone else. So Ruben Levy was impersonated last night. The only reason I can think of that someone would want to like dress themselves up in somebody else's clothes and go into their house and sleep for a night and trying to raise their presence is that they're creating an alibi for someone. So are you are you at this point accusing Sir Reuben Levy of the murder? That's a great question. And someone else is making an alibi for him by sleeping in his bed? Uh, that is a great question. That's where my gut is taking me. What do you think of Inspector Sugg's assertion, which, by the way, terrible name. I know, it's It's, great. it's just, it's not Sugg. great to say. What's the assertion? Inspector Sugg's assertion that it is in fact Reuben Levy dead in that bath and that we have somehow misidentified misidentifying him. I actually, I don't hate that because if it is Reuben Levy in the bath and we have misidentified misidentifying him, then what we're actually obfuscating is not an alibi for Reuben. It is a time of death, which is a bit more interesting. But how can, how can the police be right when the police hate our protagonist? <laughs> well, I, look, I would say 
because they've gotten some crucial detail wrong that it will lead mm. that it will lead them to pinning the murder of Ruben onto one character when it is in fact another character. If if that is going to be the way that this just goes. And I think in terms of murderers, I, I like the idea of Ruben being the killer of the body in the bath, but then we have to know where Ruben is. Yeah. So I'm not sure about that one. I'm also intrigued by the fact that the, the man, the body still had his like seeing glasses on effectively. His, his pince nez. It's so strange. The amount of times that we're mentioning lenses is insane. Yeah. And I'm, sh- I'm 100% certain that's going to be the linchpin of this case. Well, because th- one of the big details that we have is that Ruben Levy or whoever it was sleeping in his bed the night before left without both pairs of glasses at his bedside. That's true. And as Parker says, if he was going to commit suicide, he wouldn't have even made it to the bus stop. Yes. Well, he might have been hit by the bus, but um, that's that's another that's another issue. You're quite right. You're quite right. I misquote. Yeah, I'm I'm going to to say because I kind of like this idea that you that you've pushed towards me that the policemen they know more than we're a- allowed to think that they might know. Ooh. So I like the idea that it is Ruben in the bath, and that mm-hmm. we just haven't properly identified this character. I'm not sure why he would have dirty fingernails, though. So maybe that doesn't work at all. You know what? I'm, I'm maybe it does not. <laughs> it's a tricky here's, one. Here's the other thing I've I've obviously thrown you a curveball with, Herds, oh. is that the list of characters that you have to work with, as I mentioned at the start of this segment, is frighteningly thin. We've got Peter Whimsey, Bunter, Alfred Thipps. Mm. Thipps made Gladys, who has been arrested by Inspector Sugg. Shout out to Gladys. Uh, we've got Inspector Sugg, and then we've got uh, Sir Ruben Levy and Mr. Parker. So there's not not a lot of characters, and most of those characters are all personal relations of the detective. I'm going to put forward the theory that the Thips did it. That's what I was trying to build to before I second-guessed myself about the fingernails, because there's far too many patchy story situations with him. He's like, oh, I was uh... catching this trend, and he's like paid off his... He's made to say something else. She doesn't even know what's going on. So, so hold on. Are you are you suggesting that when he says he's too uncomfortable to look at the corpse, he's trying to get out of the room so no one will notice him, like Absolutely. glancing at the details that he's accidentally screwed up? Absolutely. They're gonna realize that 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 pen's knees on his nose is actually Thips. Maybe. Look, I'm just saying. I think it's a guilt thing. That's why he's so. That's why his body language is all tense and nervous all the time. Because yeah. he knows he's gonna get caught. Here's the solution that I'm going to pose. Oh. Dr. Julian Frake, who is the, the, the doctor. doctor at the nearby hospital, yep. all right, he is doing some terri- terrible, horrifying experiments, experiments oh, mashing no. up people's corpses to try and make new monsters to come and work at his hospital because he can't trust anyone he trains unless he builds them himself. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of his bodies has escaped. And it's not just whose body singular, uh-huh. it's uh-huh. whose body plural well i'd assume that he was working with the bodies down in the morgue and the reason why uh we we haven't found any bodies missing down there is because he's just taking a little bit of each body you know exactly exactly taking like an arm here a leg there now you're understanding herds yeah yeah that makes sense to me it couldn't possibly be anything else it couldn't possibly be anything else (laughs) yeah no i like i you know i I could i could back that there i could back the idea of a, a mad doctor that seems very dorothy i'll say is very oh absolutely mystery dr mike grost who I mentioned earlier this episode described to Dorothy L. Sayers as a member of the realist school of crime fiction. Oh, goodness. So 
you know, I, I think it holds water. I think it holds. I think it holds enough water that's in a body, which is like seventy percent. So that's that's true. That's a that's lot true. of water. That's seventy percent of water. Even, maybe well, you know, maybe his body has been soaking up that water, and that's powering the lead acid battery at his heart. That's going to start up the automaton soon enough. Mm, well, that's. I mean, that's that's the uh, the secret behind the the pentaniz. So it is part of the automaton. Ah, it's actually, it's like a little conductor that's meant to be inside the body to link up the battery. That's why they're gold. And that's why he's in the bath because it's uh, yeah, conducting all that energy. They're getting, they're getting ready to go, yep, getting ready yep, to take yep, over yep, the yep, town. Yep. It sounds very uh, classic golden age to me, folks. I don't <laughs> see any issues with this theory at all. All righty. Well, Herds, your, uh, your, your final guess for this week. Do you want to, do you want to go with uh, my incredible suggestion? Do you want to go with Thip's? Or do you want to go with uh, Inspector Sugg's initial suggestions? No, I, I think for, for the sake of this week, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw throw Thips under the bus as as one of my potential theories. Um, having done the deed, I think it's the more reasonable of the three. It's the more reasonable, and I also think that strategically for here on Death of the Reader is the safest pick in Definitely terms is. of which you'll be able to expand upon next I was, week. Yeah, I was gonna say we'll we'll get to that. Uh, <laughs> I got to make sure I have at least one proper theory and we're not just doing two uh, experimental theories uh, for each book because yep, yep, that, yep. that doesn't leave me a lot of room to grow. You're not allowed to give your answers in the third week. It's true. It's not possible unless I had a time machine. Oh, I, actually, I still don't think that would work. I'm a little skeptical of the time travel <laughs> mechanics of this one. Ads. I'll just use the energy from all the bodies in that bathtub I have out back and we'll we'll make it work. I promise yeah, you. No, that's that sounds like a good plan to me. Mm, yeah, that sounds good. Next week, next week on the show, Herds, we will be covering chapters five to nine, and uh, I have it. I have a, a good few questions that I've I've got to throw you away because it's only it's only been the one question really this week. I'm okay with that. I'm sure we'll get to the hard questions. It's been easy. It's been That's this the week's plan. been really straightforward. <laughs> Very straightforward. <laughs> There's a body in the bath. This has been your murder mystery world tour here on Two SER 107.3. We are discussing whose body. By Dorothy Elsayers. Could be anyone's. Whose body? Whose own body? Okay. <laughs> and we'll be back with chapters five to nine next week on the show. We're out of here. See ya.